if you could do me a favor, you know, if you ain't that busy, if you could throw us down a couple blessings, you know, like one that I don't mess up being a manager. Uh, we're just three cats and never played a single snap. Here to tell you how to draft when the ship and run it back. The stats ain't tell the story, this is the story of the stats. You can stick it to your friends, what's more glorious than that? We're victorious in rap, bringing wrath to our rivals. We're here to shun the stats, laugh, and lead you all the titles. Stick to the path and follow us disciples. The only sin is math, and all you need is the Bible. It's the fantasy. Bible. It's the fantasy. Bible. It's the fantasy. Hello, and welcome to this lovely Friday morning post-football episode of the Fantasy Bible. I'm here, Nate Binder. With me, as always, is Dane. Dane, how are you doing? I could not be more excited for football. We're recording a couple hours before the NFL kickoff. My body has been tingling with sensations all day of anticipation for real live football. Yeah, I mean, I feel like today there have been so many times when I've looked at the clock and it's been like, I don't know, one o'clock. And I'm like, how can I make one o'clock to two o'clock go as fast as possible? <laughs> and then do that with every hour of the day until 8.20. I really wish, I hate this West Coast like dominance that like these games have to start at 8.20. Like, it would be so nice if they just started an hour earlier and I could sleep at a reasonable hour. But yeah, oh, we got them starting at 8.30. All right. On today's episode, uh, you'll be listening to this after, of course, last night's game. So that's great. But we're going to be talking about uh, a week one watch list, which, what, to, what you should be watching this weekend in this weekend's slate of games. Uh, you know, things that will allow you to draw some conclusions about the fantasy landscape pretty early on. You know, like week one is not quite enough and two weeks is too much in terms of information. So if you can act F like off the week one information, you'll have a head start on all the people that are locked into their stances and opinions in week two. Uh, then we're going to do a little cop watch and drop it. Um, some of our top waiver stashes pre week one. And then we're going to talk about uh boomy bets as well. We're going to announce hashtag boomy bets and, uh, We'll get into that shortly, actually, after Dane lets the people know where they can find us on social media. Hopefully you're already following us, but if not, at Fantasy Bible Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and thefantasybible.com. Excellent. All right, so this was an idea that was proposed by a friend of the show, uh, Jacob McFantasy. He said, listen, you have this dog. Dogs are smart. You know, earthquakes come. Dogs sense them before they're there. They have this intuitive sixth sense. They're tapped into the movements of the universe, the movements of nature. They just, uh, they intuit things in a way humans do not. And so how can we leverage that to make money? How can we use that to feed, uh, you know, a savvy gambling practice? And so that's how we came up with hashtag Boomy Bets. And Boomy is my dog. He is a miniature dachshund. And uh, Dan, you want to explain how Boomy Bets is going to work every week? Absolutely. So you've probably seen sometime in your life, there are certain animals, whether it be dolphins or octopus, uh, that predict the Super Bowl winners on the year. And, you know, you hear, oh, they have an 8-0 record over the last eight years. This dolphin knows what's up. It picks the Chiefs two years ago. It picks the Bucks last year, et cetera. Well, that's what we're trying to do for uh, weekly bets 
for the Thursday night games with Boomy bets. So each week, we'll, Nathan will be generous enough to share Boomy's insight with you all on Instagram. So please follow us on Instagram for those adorable Boomy bets. He's going to place a treat on the logo of those two teams playing on Thursday. Boomy will then select one of the delic- delicacies on those cards, and he's going to tell you which team to bet the spread on. So uh, yeah. that's super cool. Well, to get into the week one, so yesterday was the first day that we did this and we wanted to sort of, you know, refine the practice in a manner of speaking to make sure we were doing this in a way that wasn't influencing Boomy's decision, that he was just following his pure little puppy soul. And the way, so we we started off, I recorded a video, I sent Dane and Jacob, uh, he chose Cowboys. I said, what do you think? They say, it looks good, but I think the Cowboys one might have been closer to the door uh, so he went for that one first. So I moved them closer away or closer away, further away, <laughs> uh, place the treats again. Again, he makes a beeline to the Cowboys and okay, okay, I'm going to try this one more time. I switched the pieces of paper around. Bucks are now on the left. Cowboys are now on the right. We all know that dogs read from left to right. So maybe this will switch things up. Nope. We let that cage open and he makes a beeline towards the Cowboys on the right side again. So I think with almost absolute certainty that we can say that the, uh, the Cowboys are going to cover tonight. Yeah. It's looking like an eight and a half spread right now. It could even go up a little bit more as we approach the game, but I think it'll stay there at eight and a half. It was eight when we recorded the video and that even furthers the odds that the Cowboys could cover that. So I'm excited. I want to see him win. You'll know whether he uh, picks properly or not. (laughs) We'll start putting these boomy bets out, obviously on, on the Tuesday pod, once we get into our regular rhythm and that'll allow you to uh, place that bet before that comes. And, uh, you know, play a little boomy bets along with us, but yeah, the, you know, it's a good, it's a good fantasy knowledge too, because if we know the Cowboys are going to cover, which boomy has told us, we can assume that it's going to be a bit of a backdoor cover that the, uh, the chiefs, excuse me, the bucks will probably come out to a strong lead and then Dak Prescott will do his claw back thing. And we could get a lot of good <laughs> garbage time, uh, fantasy points out of that. So it's good information to have. All right. Should we get into a mystery? Oh, do we have any news this week, Dan? We do. So, yeah, just an hour before we started recording. Oh, breaking news. Some, yeah, some real breaking news. Uh, Gus Edwards running back for the Baltimore Ravens, who had taken over that running back one role ever since Kim, or sorry, Kim makers, ever since uh, J.K. Dobbins went out with a season-ending injury. J.K. Do- or sorry, Gus Edwards was going to be the RB1 there. He potentially suffered a season-ending knee injury today, uh, Thursday. And so that forced the Ravens to sign Devontae Freeman. They had already signed Lev Bell earlier in the week, so now their backfield is looking like undrafted rookie free agent Tyson Williams, Lev Bell, and Devontae Freeman. And that's really what they're working with right now. Of course, they have Lamar Jackson to run the ball when he feels it's necessary. That's that's some major news right now because a lot of people have done their drafts this week thinking Gus Edwards would be a somewhere in the running back two conversation and they probably took him in the fourth or fifth round and now you don't have gus edwards yeah this is uh you know for all the people that say oh like this this is what more than anything i mean sure it's smart to draft later in the season but 
We drafted early. I took Gus Edwards in the 10th or 11th round. So losing Gus Edwards here, it's not going to affect my team at all. But the people that drafted in the interim of J.K. Dobbins' injury and Gus Edwards' injury are totally screwed now. And so everyone that says, oh, you need to draft early, like anything can happen with injury at any time. So that's a bit of a ridiculous premise. How this affects fantasy for me, when, when J.K. Dobbins went down, I was like projecting Gus Edwards as having maybe 80% of the season that I thought J.K. Dobbins would have. And yeah. so now I'm at the point where it kind of drops another 20% for me. It's almost like Tyson Williams is, is to me the guy to own in that backfield. But we're expecting maybe like 60% of what the season that J.K. Uh, Dobbins was going to have. So closer to between 600 and 700 rushing yards, between six and eight touchdowns. Uh, a very Gus Edwards-esque season is what I expect we can uh, see from Tyson Williams because this sort of just negatively impacts the Baltimore offense overall. And so while, yes, it does mean more opportunity for Tyson Williams, this does not mean you should go out and trade for Tyson Williams as if he was Gus Edwards from a week ago or J.K. Dobbins from a few weeks ago. It, it's going to be... Uh, a committee as they always run and the efficiency of that committee may be hurt by the lack of talent in that running back room. There's no other way to say it. Like, yeah, it definitely hurts the Ravens offense as a whole. And I think you're pretty, pretty right on about your expectation that we can't assume that just because let's say Tyson Williams is the lead back there. We can't assume he's going to produce like JK Dobbins would have. He's not going to produce like a second round running back. I think if we, anecdotally had drafts today with this new knowledge he probably wouldn't be drafted until maybe like a six six yeah. round is where i'd probably take him just because there's uncertainty and he yeah. does have upside though and that follows through with like okay so jk dobbins was a second round pick then mm -hmm. edwards replaced him as a fourth round pick and now it's like tyson williams replaces him as what would be a six round pick obviously no one's drafting at this point or if they are kind of mighty close folks but uh <laughs> yeah it's uh it's a bummer you know it's yeah. a bummer um i obviously was looking forward to the guest bus i have him in one of my leagues uh, i have tyson williams in a, a couple leagues if he's still on your waivers run out and grab him trenton cannon uh is someone that you can run out and grab he's I don't know. Guy. Yeah, he's, he's a guy he's on a guy. that field. He's, on, he's going to be active. That's like the one thing that you know because he has special teams uh, versatility. So he's going to be on that 53-man roster where like Le'Veon Bell and Devontae Freeman, we don't really know what's going to happen there, although I think they're both also worth speculative ads, I would say. Yeah. Uh, Bell over Freeman for me. But yeah, it, it's it's an interesting situation. Not a back a backfield to avoid at this point, I would say. Yeah, I don't think you should be starting any of them unless you're in a bench. Then I would lean Tyson Williams just because he's had the offseason with them. He's, you know, he's taken snaps with Lamar Jackson at this point and that starting offensive line. So I think Harbaugh will give him the first first dibs just based on being on the team. And then beyond that, I don't know. So I don't know how much they'll use him. I don't know if they'll who knows. So you something know. to remember about Tyson Williams is like they they do like him because when they do, yeah. Dobbins went down, they said, no, we feel comfortable about our running back room depth. Yeah. And they felt comfortable about Tyson Williams at the time as their number three <laughs> running back. So that doesn't mean they feel comfortable about him as their number one running back. So my, my point is I saw a message in one of our chats. It was probably tongue in cheek about trading for Tyson Williams. Please don't do that, people. 
yeah, do not do that yet. <laughs> you probably don't want to trade for him until you see a week, maybe two weeks of usage. I would recommend waiting to trade. But if you have him, don't trade him yet because you don't know. Well, maybe somebody's super high on him and they're desperate after uh, Gus Edwards went down. It's okay to trade him away if you're getting decent value back, but we don't know his true value yet. Yeah, and Dane, you made an interesting point before we started recording about how there's a chance that Tyson Williams gets a lot of work this week because the guys that they signed, especially Le'Veon Bell and maybe even Freeman, may not be conditioned enough. They may not be in game shape. They may not know the playbook well enough. They just started with the team on Wednesday. So, like, they may need to ride Tyson Williams this week, and that might be a good week to either start him or trade him after this week, Um, you know, take advantage of that usage. Yeah, like Devontae Freeman, they signed 30 minutes ago as of recording this. He's probably not even in Baltimore right now. He'll probably be there in the (laughs) morning, and then they'll go from there. So how can you expect to run an NFL running back out on the field with three days? He is a veteran, so he knows what's going on. But also, I don't know. It it just worries me. Well, and Freeman was at least in camps this offseason. Like, he was with the Giants and with the Saints. Uh, Yeah, he was working out and training and putting himself out there on the trade block the whole off season. So he's probably in game shape, but he won't, he won't get the lion's share. That's for sure. Anything else in news? Uh, yeah. Curtis Samuel, he, he pulled up uh, running a route in practice the other day this week and his groin injury is the problem. It's been lingering for weeks and you can even go out and find the video. Uh, you can see him, you know, run half the route make a cut and he immediately takes his helmet off and limps off the field gingerly. He knows that he's injured. So I expect him to be out this week. Um, that probably gives a little bump to Logan Thomas, the tight end for the Washington football team. Uh, definitely Terry McLaurin is, you know, just as strong of a start as he was before now. And maybe even someone like Deami Brown, third round, uh, drafted rookie wide receiver for that team could get some work this week. He might be worth a speculative ad in deep leagues, uh, especially in dynasty. His stock goes up there. And yeah, we don't uh, look Deami Brown. I love as a player, especially in dynasty or keeper leagues. Uh, but I think Adam Humphreys is also worth mentioning just yeah. because if this is a thing that lingers and Curtis Samuel misses a significant amount of time, Adam Humphreys is more likely to p- play the Curtis Samuel role, whereas Diami Brown is more of a, a strictly a deep ball threat. He's not like, you know, diversity across the formation like Curtis Samuel has. So uh, that's just another name to throw out there to monitor. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think if you're the Curtis Samuel owner, you have to be planning that you won't have him for multiple weeks. The groin injury is something that lingers, something that you have to rest for it to get fully better. And it could take a week. It could take six weeks. Like, we don't truly know the the extent of it. It could turn out he needs some sort of surgery. Like, you have to just plan that you might not have Curtis Samuel for at least a few weeks. Have you ever had a groin injury? I have actually when I was playing soccer in high school and it did I was trying to play through it and I was able to play through it but there were times where I had to let up because I just couldn't run at full speed I couldn't cut I couldn't and I it was very very painful and annoying like you know you're not at 100% so now mentally you're not making the same aggressive moves you might have or you know you you're not able to perform even if you mentally want to so it's just something to monitor, something to be worried about. I would not recommend a groin injury for anyone. It's just, <laughs> you it's just <laughs> no, it's just uncomfortable. You even feel yeah, it when you're walking. Kidney stones, forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had kidney stones. I know yeah. you have though. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 interesting because it does seem like it would be really annoying. And one of those ones where it's it's not like a knee or an ankle injury where it's like physically limiting you from 
planting or something like that. It's just nagging and painful in a way that presently stops you from going full speed. So yeah, I do think, um, obviously we can't say don't draft Curtis Samuel now, but be on the lookout for options and be prepared not to be starting him for a while. Um, anything else besides the Deandre Swift thing? No. So that was all I had. And then the most notable news and we'll get into other stuff in our watch list. And yeah. What is this Deandre Swift thing you're telling me about? Okay. So this is like the funniest. I mean, it's not funny if there's any truth to it, but I am like, it's, it's a day there's like news coming in. I see this little bit of news pass through my sort of notifications. And then the Gus Edwards news comes through and everyone's reacting to that, talking about that, that comes like, you know, central focus. But then I go back to my news site and I read this story again. And I'm like, you know, if this Gus Edwards <laughs> thing hadn't happened, we might be talking about this a little more. The, the, the tweet that I saw was just, to my knowledge, DeAndre Swift is not a suspect in a rumored murder case. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> and I was just like, that's, uh, I mean, that's very Aaron hernandez But oh, um, essentially, I don't really know the full story. I saw someone posted on, it's funny how many stories can actually break on Reddit. Someone posted on the Dynasty subreddit that they know someone in the Philadelphia Police Department that said that uh, DeAndre Swift is, <laughs> is the suspect in an ongoing murder investigation. And he said, this is complete speculation, but I don't know why this guy would lie. And then that evolved to national reporter Ben Albright tweet, tweeting that he's to his knowledge, not a suspect in a, a murder case. So uh, nothing you can really do about this one. <laughs> but, <laughs> this off season has been a wild ride. I will yeah. say that. Yeah, just uh, I don't think there's anything going on with DeAndre Swift, to be clear. Just it was kind of funny to see that minor little bizarre news story play out. And then uh, there's the Jamar Chase thing. I wasn't sure if that's part of your watch list or not. Um, It is part of my watch list, but I also want to just add to DeAndre Swift because we have had word from Lions Camp that he will be a full full workload go. So, yeah, that's to follow up our tentative injury speculation leading up to this podcast, we've been warning, you know, he might not be a full go might not be able to start him with confidence, but if he's on the field, it, we can only assume that they're telling us the truth. So uh, buy into that, how you will, they are playing a very stout defense in San Francisco. So, you know, could be bad even if he gets a full workload, but I think if you drafted him, you probably have to play him because he, you know, we have to assume he's going to play Yes, he is my RB1 in a league where I went zero RB. So I will be starting him. I uh, was very fortunate not to draft Gus Edwards in that league. And I'm also thinking about rolling out Jamal Williams this weekend anyway. Yeah, I think Jamal Williams is a fine play this week. I think we'll see. We'll see. That's another thing on the watch list. I don't have it, but I think uh, we we need to know how they're using those running backs, Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift, because early in the offseason, it was a 1A, 1B quote from Dan Campbell. And we don't truly know what it will look like on game day. DeAndre Swift is the more talented running back, but Jamal Williams is not a pushover. He will get some work. I'd like to know how they utilize those guys. And if I had to guess who was going to get the goal line work, it would be Jamal Williams, 100%. So uh, that's something to consider as well. All right, I got a mystery question for you. I actually have two mystery questions. I would love to hear it. Okay, so we, you and I were both in a number of leagues, uh, and we both did a, a little exercise this week where we sort of 
looked at uh, rosters across the leagues and see what, which players do we have rosters across the most across these leagues? Who are the guys that we need to really be cheering for to win in the maximum amount of our leagues? And so I want to know, I have two, two questions for you. Who is your most drafted player that you're most excited about? And then who's a player that you've drafted that you clearly have more faith in than consensus? And I, I can go, I can answer if you want uh, to think about it. Yeah, go ahead while I pull up my multiple league rosters. <laughs> yeah. So the most drafted player, uh, there are two players that I have in three leagues, only two. And they are the answers to both these questions for me. My most drafted player that I am most excited about is Devante Smith. I own him in Dynasty and I own him in two redraft leagues. I am very excited to watch Devonte Smith. I think we've seen good things from him out of the preseason in terms of getting separation and being targeted frequently in that offense. And I'm very excited to watch the Falcons game and see how he factors into that new Nick Sirianni run West Coast Shanahan themed offense. So I'm very excited for Smith and the player that I'm have more faith in than most players that I've also have in three league would three leagues would be Zach Ertz. So Zach Ertz, uh, in some leagues for me, he's a backup tight end in one league. Actually, I think in two leagues, he is my starting tight end because I punted tight end entirely, decided to wait till the very end of the draft. And then I took Zach Ertz. And the reason I did that is while I do believe, uh, you know, Goddard will be tight end one in that offense, I think we're going to see some 12 personnel because they kept Zach Ertz on the roster. He was heavily involved in preseason. And uh, a lot of people are down on Zach Ertz because of really the miserable season he had last year, but I'm not judging anyone on that on the Philadelphia Eagles on that season. It was just a bad year all around. And then Zach Ertz was also dealing with an ankle surgery all season that he, uh, you know, had surgery on rehab all off season. And just two years ago, this was a top four tight end. So to me, I have a lot more faith that Zach Ertz is going to be fantasy relevant and maybe even top 12, you know, tight end one fantasy relevant. And I think both of the tight ends on the Eagles could end up being tight end ones. If, if that offense is humming, if it's bad, like last year, forget about it. If it's anywhere above average, Zach Ertz is going to catch a lot of passes and Dallas Goddard is going to be the same explosive player as always. So uh, I think I have more faith in Zach Ertz. He's, he's going undrafted in quite a few leagues. Nice. Yeah, he could very well be somebody we're talking about next week to add on your waiver wires just based on they have a good matchup against Atlanta. And if he scores a touchdown, has six, seven targets his way, that's going to be something to note. We probably have to pay attention. We didn't expect to, but we would. Um, mm -hmm. For me, I have... I have two shares of Nick Chubb. I think he's going to have a big season. They start off with a good matchup against the Chiefs. They're going to have to put up a lot of points. I think he'll perform well there. I have I have Cooper Cup in two leagues, and then in two different leagues, I have Robert Woods. So I think that's what I have the most investment in is the Rams offense. Mm -hmm. And I, I have the utmost faith in Matthew Stafford. I do have him in one league as well to pair with Robert Woods. I think that they're going to have a great season and I'm clearly betting on it in every league. I have Russell Gage, who's hopefully going to be a flex play for me in two leagues. I have Marvin Jones Jr. who could be the wide receiver one there, but you know, who knows? He could be a flex play. Um, other than that, I have, you know, a couple shares here and there, but I think the guy that I didn't want to have a lot of shares of that I ended up with two leagues, uh, Kenyon Drake, just based mm. on he, he fell down the board a couple of times and I needed running back depth and it's possible he has a 50, 50 role there. I don't really know. 
Uh, Josh Jacobs will probably be the running back one overall. Kenyon Drake could be solely a third down running back, but I think he'll get some work. He was just a good add later in the draft. And Tyson Williams, he's the one I have in the most leagues, three leagues. So I'm really hoping that he pans out. I love the undrafted free agent narrative. I had James Robinson last year, and it was such a fun ride to see a guy ascend from nothing, work his way into the starting role and do something with it. So yeah, I'm betting betting big on Tyson Williams, but I didn't have to spend anything to get him, hoping that pans out. Listen, I've heard a lot of these Tyson Williams, James Robinson comparisons. Never forget that the Jaguars shipped off Leonard Fournette because they were so confident in in James, James Robinson, Robinson to yeah. carry the load that season. The Ravens are signing guys left and right. So let's not uh, sure. get, get overboard here. But yeah, I, uh, I like it. And uh, why don't we get into the week one watch list? Why don't you lead it off? What are you trying to learn this weekend? What are you watching for to make some conclusions about this fantasy football landscape in 2021? So the first one I have on the list in no particular order, but you did reference him in the news section, Jamar Chase. So there, there was a pretty funny quote. Uh, I think it was even released on Bengals like official website. Uh, he said, there is no white stripe on the NFL football. So it's a lot harder to see and catch. And it's also a little bit bigger. Like this guy was drafted what fifth overall. And he's like, <laughs> and he's saying the NFL ball is pretty hard to catch. Like, yeah. Okay. You took a year off of last year. You didn't play college ball because you opted out for COVID. What were you doing, dude? You know you're going to be drafted in the first round. Were you not catching NFL regulation balls at all? Clearly, he's not because he was dropping the ball in practice, dropping the ball in training camp, dropping the ball in preseason. Nothing has really been good from him out of camp. Like, what are you doing? I want to know if he's actually good. So that's my week one watch list. If he gets targets, is he catching them? Does he look good? I want to see the eye test. Look, like, yeah, this is this quote on its own is nothing to make a big deal about, but it's like the final little special seasoning on the <laughs> crapola pie that we've been delivered by Jamar Chase this offseason. Because it, like, look, Lamar Jackson said something similar. He said passing was tough for him in the first year of the NFL because he had to adjust to throwing a bigger ball. And sure, that probably, you know works on the catching side as well. I've never heard an NFL receiver say anything like this, but Hey, yeah. um, I think the, uh, one of the more, even more concerning quotes is like, they were asking him about, you know, his struggles in the preseason. And he said, I don't want to blame it on me sitting on my butt the whole year, but it had probably something to do with it. Of course. Right. Like, so he clearly <laughs> this wasn't guy have a work ethic. Like it, it's very concerning. Uh, yeah. It's just nothing to feel great about. And that's why I heavily recommended drafting T Higgins over him. I think a lot of people did, but some people didn't. And those guys might be regretting it, but we'll see. It's so, something to watch. I'm going to be watching that this weekend as well. And one thing I'm going to be looking for is targets because, you know, maybe he still struggles in this first game and maybe it's an adjusting to the NFL thing, but mm -hmm. I want to see, does he struggle? And then, then does Joe Burrow go back to him? Because if there's trust there, then the opportunity will continue and we can continue to have hope for Jamar Chase. If Jamar Chase drops a ball or two, and then he's not targeted the rest of the, you know, the rest of the game, then I'm, I'm fading him pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Targets are definitely what you want to look for here. Um, okay. In a similar fashion in, in receiving, I'm looking at the Raiders receiving core to see who will emerge. Um, someone has to catch the ball. That's not Darren Waller on this, on this team. Look, the Raiders offense is generally underrated because they're kind of a 
a joke franchise and in the you know they've got the gruden they've got the terrible drafts stuff like that they're they're in vegas so there's a lot of memes there's the the haircut mike davis's haircut there's a lot of stuff that revolves around the raiders but at the end of the day they are a slightly above average offense and for fantasy that's something that you want to have a share of so obviously darren waller is going to be the main pass catcher on that team and maybe Kenyon Drake is relevant from a pass catching standpoint. Um, but there are three guys, Hunter Renfro, uh, Henry Ruggs, and who am I missing? Uh, Brian Edwards. Yeah. Is, there, is there anyone else that I'm missing that's in the, the pass catching mix for them there? Not really. I can't even name the fourth guy there. So yeah. that's probably saying a lot. So those are the three guys we're talking about. Henry Ruggs has a lot of hype as a sophomore wide receiver struggled last year, but was the highest, receiver drafted has that natural speed has that 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 one hail mary play from last year so we're kind of excited to see what rugs is going to do brian edwards is also getting a lot of hype going into the year last year as a training camp darling didn't do didn't do anything yeah and, and now he's getting that exact same hype this year so an, another receiver like let's see if this is going to be the guy so i'm excited to see if any of these guys are going to emerge on this offense, if any of them look like reliable pass catchers, my money's on Brian Edwards, but I'd love to see it from Ruggs as well. Or if this is just going to be a thing where like maybe one of these guys catches a touchdown, but Ruggs, or excuse me, uh, Waller is the only reliable pass catcher week to week. And then other than that, you've got your Josh Jacobs touchdown upside and that's really it on the Raiders from an offensive perspective yeah I think we very well could see a lot of the same with Darren Waller being the only true pass catcher to own here and it could be yeah just week to week we don't know who it will be beyond that I think that's what we'll see at the beginning of the season but as weeks go on if we see a trend then I think that's when I'll feel confident I'm probably not going to start Brian Edwards or Henry Ruggs even if they have a good week one just because I don't know if that will change. And then by week two, if you see the same thing, then I might feel comfortable enough to flex one. It's something something I personally will need to see more than once to believe, but those are definitely good guys on the back of your bench to, to watch out for. So I'm interested to see Jason Moore of the fantasy footballers has been hammering this point home that if Brian Edwards doesn't do well in week one, he is a drop candidate. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fine. Even Henry Ruggs might be as well. I think there'll be, there will be plenty of people who drop Henry Ruggs if he does not perform, if he has three or four targets, catches two of them and then 20 yards, like nobody's going to want to keep that on their roster. If there's top waiver wire ads, he's going to be one of the drop candidates for everyone who owns them. And the point is these guys have been in the system long enough. There's no surge coming from these guys. It is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Who's your next uh, week one watch list? candidate uh so a lot of them on the same team who is new orleans going to throw to i need to know because there's been a lot of us about marquez callaway coming out of preseason and camp and he clearly seems to be the leader in that uh that argument uh he has a rapport with james james winston right now and i want to see that translate to the nfl field if you're starting in week one and you're brave enough to do so kudos to you it might pay off might pay off big honestly but it could not, it might not be him. It could be anyone else there. Deontay Harris is a guy. Uh, he's a second year fast. And Deontay Harris was getting the hype before he had that DUI. It was everyone. That was the guy that everyone was taking in early drafts and stuff like that. Marquez Callaway's name didn't even crop up until preseason. Yeah. And Marquez Callaway did have a big game last year. Like we mentioned on a previous podcast when, uh, when it was needed from him based on injuries, 
And he's probably the guy I'd bet on just because of what Same. we've seen. We have to take the information we have. And he's a guy I would bet on right now, but that could very well change by the end of the season or sorry, by the end of the week, week two, maybe. And in the same thing, uh, the same vein, Detroit, who are they throwing to? Like, it's the same situation there. They have no established uh, pecking order there for receivers. And there's probably some value to be had from Detroit, maybe less than New Orleans. But uh, there's somebody, somebody could emerge as the top guy. And if Jared Goff decides he trusts him, they're probably worth rostering and even flex play week to week based on matchups. I think that's fair. I think those are two great comparable situations to be watching. Um, so for me, the next one is the Broncos running back rotation specifically how soon is Javante Williams going to be relevant and is Javante Williams in on pass blocking situations? Do they, do they trust Javante Williams to block or is it going to be a situation where they go with the NFL vet and he gets the majority of the snaps as, as they gradually bring Williams on. If we see something close to a 50, 50 timeshare, I am all in on Javante Williams to, to take that rollover in the first half of the season. If, if it's more of like a 70, 30, they bring in Javante Williams to spell Gordon and Gordon's still there for the, you know, the pass blocking snaps and stuff like that, that I'm uh, a little less bullish on Javante, but Obviously, Javante Williams is a very talented running back. He did well in the preseason. They held him out of preseason games. They're very high on him, but they're also paying Melvin Gordon a lot of money and have shown no signs of doubt in Melvin Gordon. Javante Williams seems to be more of a prepare for the future move. So uh, I'll be watching that game closely to see how soon I can reliably start Javante Williams in my lineup. Yeah, it's going to be very telling. I have Melvin Gordon in our main league, and I'm most likely going to flex him just because I perceive the situation that they will roll him out week one as the guy. And then I want to see what Javante Williams looks like on the field, how they use him. If he does show strong, then I'm very worried. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, imagine if Javante Williams goes out on the first drive, then I'm terrified. But I, I don't think that's yeah. happening. <laughs> if Javante that, Williams goes out on the first drive, I'm winning the our what the uh, <laughs> one of our leagues for years to come is all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, so definitely watch how they use him. If he looks better than Melvin Gordon, then it probably is a sooner than later situation. If, like you said, it's a 70-30 split, then they probably plan to use Melvin Gordon for a few weeks until they can fully trust in passing down work to Bonte Williams. Sweet. Who do you got next on this list here? So New England tight ends. I mean, they signed two tight ends, Hunter yeah. Henry, Johnny Smith spent a ton of money to do it in the off season. They were one of the first teams to be active in the off season, which is not something the Patriots typically do. They usually make fun of the teams who go out and spend tons of money in off season, but here they are. They had a taste of a losing season and they did not like it. Bill Belichick said, get me two tight ends. Cause I had zero that I liked last year. And I want to know, can we start one or both or neither? Like, is it going to be Janu who's getting that red zone work? Is it going to be Hunter Henry who gets the most targets? Is it going to be Janu who's getting game scripted uh, passes near the line of scrimmage to perform yards after the catch? Is it going to be Hunter Henry who's used more as a blocker because he's rated well as a blocker? Like, I just need to know, kind of like a Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard situation in Philly. Like, I don't know who the guy is really right now. And I'd like to know because he could be very valuable. I think they plan to use a lot of two tight end sets in new England. Clearly that's where they invested. And if they're going to be on the field that much, they definitely have a plan for him. They didn't spend a lot of money. So the bill Belichick could watch him uh, do nothing all season. So I'm very curious. They could have a lot of value. 
Yeah, uh, Goddard and Ertz are listed as co-starters. I, I imagine it's the same Probably. in New England. What's interesting to me is, at least from my perspective and what I've encountered, Johnny Smith in drafts was high valued way, way more highly than Hunter Henry for some reason. And I get it because we all saw that insane season out of Johnny two years ago. And while Hunter Henry has probably been actually more consistent and reliable as a fantasy tight end, he's burned people more. They've invested more into him in higher rounds in the draft and been burned by him never fulfilling that upside. But like Hunter Henry to me is just as relevant as John Smith in this offense. And he's probably on waivers right now and might be worth a stash to see how the situation plays out. Cause it could be 50, 50. Like you said, one guy could be more of the pass catcher and one's more of the blocker. They could both be relevant. Oh, uh, Gronk and uh, Hernandez years ago. So who knows? Yeah. I think also part of the draft capital argument there where you had Johnny Smith was highly drafted, sorry, not highly drafted, but he was drafted above Hunter Henry almost across the board in every Mm -hmm. league I had and you as well. I think that also factors in the injury that Hunter Henry had Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. in the past two weeks. uh, Johnny Smith had just come back from an injury and we didn't yet have clarity on Hunter Henry's return, but he has now since recovered and uh, returned to practice. So now they are both presumably fully healthy or healthy enough to start week one. So I think that did also factor in a bit and also just the, the perceived athleticism of Johnny Smith for sure played a role. Well, right. Plus the, you know, that questionable sign next to Hunter Henry is already a injury prone yeah. athlete to begin with. I can see that factoring in. All right. Um, who else do I got on this list here? Okay. The 49ers QB room and running back room, but more importantly, the quarterback room. I mean, is this two quarterback system real? Are we actually going to see, Garoppolo on drives and Trey Lance on drives is the fantasy football community going to hire an assassin to take out Kyle Shanahan because how (laughs) dare he have these innovative offensive systems that don't produce fantasy points. Um, So yeah, I I am very curious to see like, is it going to be kind of what the Eagles did last year where Carson Wentz played 95% of the snaps and Jalen Hurts came out for a few zone replays a game or is there going to be an actual like collegiate level? We're going to ride with the hot hand sort of situation, which would be something to bizarre to watch in the modern day NFL, but something I'll definitely be monitoring this weekend. And against a team like Detroit, maybe a good litmus test of like, hey, they can do it whatever they want against these guys. So what's it look like when Cash Anahan has a little fun? And then the running back room. Just is more about is Mostert still the guy and Trey Sermon when similar to the uh, Broncos split. I probably could have referenced them together. Yeah, I, I like what you said about it, are they going to use Trey Lance like they did Jalen Hurts in Philly? I think maybe people weren't really paying attention to Jalen Hurts usage before he was the starter there because, like you said, they would bring him in for a couple plays. It's for his own read, and he would you know have the ability to run the ball. And I think that's what Trey Lance offers right now as a day one rookie. So I think that's probably where they'll start. I think we will see Trey Lance on the field week one, not as the starter, of course, it will be Garoppolo. I think, yeah, maybe when they get in, let's say they are at the eight yard line. I would not be surprised if Trey Lance trots out on that field might not be the first drive, but at least by the end of the game, they're going to have the luxury to try some stuff against Detroit. All right. Um, I have uh, one more on this list. Do you have anyone else to cover before we move on to our next segment? Um, just a brief is Antonio Gibson actually used on third down? Because I think 
he was drafted with the assumption he will be. And I was never completely sold on the idea. Of course, his upside is tremendous if he is, and he's talented enough that he deserves it. But J.D. McKissick is on that team still. They will use him. And so far, what we've seen in the preseason is he was on every third down. So that's just something I need to see happen before I buy into it. I unfortunately don't have Antonio Gibson on any of my rosters. I would like to because I love his talent. He's exciting. I just want to see what he's really what he's really worth on that offense. Fair. I'm excited to watch him. He's obviously not my RB one or anything, but in terms of the guys that I'm really high on, he's probably the, he's like a, a my guy. I'll, I'll say, you know, I, I love some Antonio Gibson. Um, all right. A couple of quick ones for me, Cortland Sutton back from injury, how he's, how he's going to do is going to be something to watch. Uh, that one random defense that's going to come out of nowhere that you can get on the waivers and then hold all season. Like you could the bears or the Patriots of years past. So I'll yeah. be watching for that. And, uh, Mainly my main one here, the Eagles entire offense. Um, I think, you know, the Eagles are in a weak division and a division that can be taken advantage of. So how is this going to look from a fantasy perspective? Is the passing volume there? Is the rushing floor actually there for Jalen Hurts? How are the running backs rotated? Is Miles Sanders going to be catching passes? Are the two tight ends, Goddard and Hurts, going to be relevant? How is Devontae Smith going to handle contact off the line? There's all these little questions about the Eagles offense, especially since it's a brand new offense that obviously as an Eagles fan, but also as a fantasy player, I'm I'm excited to see answered this weekend in a matchup that should be, again, like the Detroit matchup. It's not like Atlanta is a bad team, but they're playing, the Eagles are playing Atlanta. So it should allow them to do the things that they want to do with their offense. And so we should be able to get a good benchmark of what that looks like. Yeah, I like that. I think what you'll see from Philly this week is certainly some highlight opportunities of like what their offense could look like. And then I think you'll see just inconsistency. I think you'll see things break down at times just based on all like what you said, all of the new pieces, the new coaching tree, the new offensive scheme. Uh, yeah, just it might have some bumps in the road, but I think we'll see glimpses of their ceiling and that will be exciting. And hopefully you see that get more consistent with week to week. And if I had to place a bet, my bet would be that the Eagles lead the league in sacks after week one. <laughs> That's possible. I, I meaning meaning the Eagles take the most sacks. No. Oh, they get the most sacks on Matt Ryan is what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's a good spicy bet. Uh, I would probably opt for another route. I haven't really given that much thought, but uh yeah, I haven't looked at like the full, like obviously it could be the 49ers who, you know, or whoever, you know, the Carolina, Brian Burns is going up against the Jets offensive line. Brian Burns could have the most sacks, period. <laughs> like, yeah, but yeah. Uh, I'm just, uh, you know, weak offensive line, very statuesque quarterback. And I'm excited to see what uh, the Eagles defense is going to do this year. All right. Enough Eagles talk. Let's get into some cop, watch, and drop it. Cop, watch, and drop it. Cop, watch and drop it. So I felt pretty, pretty savvy coming up with that on the fly. Nathan liked it. Hope you guys do too. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. It's it's a pretty simple principle. Pick up these players, watch how they do. If you don't like them, drop them. Um, it's just kind of like getting ahead of the waivers is a simple way to put it. I've got three guys. Dane, perhaps you have three guys. I do. I'll, I'll kick it off here. My first guy is Jarek McKinnon. Ooh, that's a good one. I have not heard anyone talk about him. So Jared McKinnon's getting a little bit of buzz. He, they, they say he looks like his old self in, in uh, practice and training camp, the old jet of the Minnesota Vikings. 
Um, he has the pass catching juice that we want to see out of Nandy Reed back. And uh, he's in a situation where the running back two spot, while it hasn't been relevant in Kansas City in the past couple of years, could be relevant. So, yeah, I'll be watching to see is Jarek McKinnon going to get some passing work? And if so, that's if, if Jarek McKinnon, McKinnon catches a few passes this weekend, he's going to be a number one waiver ad on the Chiefs offense. So, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to uh, see how he does. And I thought about stashing him for the weekend in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I think if you don't have a better option and you want somebody who could pop at running back for you, he's a good one. And especially if anything happens to Clyde edwards helaire he would immediately be like, spend $80 of your fab on this guy type option. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's not somebody I've heard a lot about, so I, I'm glad you brought him up. Um, not somebody I'm looking at right now, but he'd be more on my watch list before I invest even a bench spot in him right now because he won't really have value unless something changes that we don't know about. Fair. And there are leagues with five bench spots where the idea of adding Jared McKinnon would be ludicrous. And then there yeah. are leagues with seven bench spots where just those two extra spots yeah. open up so many more possibilities. So absolutely. Yeah. So uh, yeah, to continue the running back motif here, I have Ty Johnson running back for the New York jets. They're playing the Panthers this week. That's not, you know, the toughest matchup in the world and the word on the street in New York is that uh, it'll be Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson as the leaders in that backfield week one. Uh, Tevin Coleman didn't seem to really have it last year. Uh, I yeah. think he's pretty much washed and he can't stay healthy. So I don't, I don't imagine he'll have the, you know, I don't want to roster him in any league. I think Ty Johnson presents more upside and Michael Carter was the running back, the highest drafted running back on this team in fantasy. I think you can drop him. I think that's what's going on right now. I've seen a lot of people online saying he's been dropped in our league. What's going on? People who didn't really know the context yet. I think that's what you'll see a lot after week one. He's not going to get much usage based on what we've heard from that team. And he's a guy that could, he could still break out at the second half of the season, even if it's not based on injury. I think he could work his way to the front of this running back core, but he was only a fourth round running back. And those guys don't often hit like, so it's really a dart throw. I was kind of surprised to see everyone drafting him where he was like in the seventh round of drafts. I I didn't really ever buy it, but Ty Johnson is going to get work week one. And if he looks good, if he looks better than Tevin Coleman, he could be worth it, but honestly, he's not really more than a flex guy, even if he does work. Right. Like that from a draft uh, NFL draft standpoint, I was very high on Michael Carter. I like that North Carolina backfield with Javante Williams. And so it, it's often hard to, you know, you get hyped about a collegiate athlete. It's hard not to transfer that hype into a draft setting and get the rookie hype as well. But yeah, everything you said about Michael Carter is correct. It doesn't look like he'll be fantasy relevant this year um, or potentially any year. Who, who, who knows? Potentially. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, my next guy moving into the receiver position. I had a couple guys listed here. We mentioned the Raiders receivers earlier, but I, w- I just want to say like any Saints receiver, like kind of to touch on your who will I be watching? Like, yeah, kind of just pick. I mean, Marcus Callaway is probably drafted in most, yeah, mostly. Yeah. But Deontay Harris is probably out there. There's a good chance Trey Con Smith is out there. Lil Jordan Humphrey is probably out there. <laughs> so, like, if you've got the bench spot, and my main choice here would obviously be Deontay Harris or Trey Con Smith, uh, even more so Harris. Like Dane said, we don't really know what's going to come out of this offense, but we do know it could have an insane ceiling. Like this thing had a 5,000 yard passing ceiling when Drew Brees 
was the quarterback. And Drew Brees is not a gunslinger. So now that we oh. have a tried and true gunslinging quarterback in Jameis in New Orleans, the passing yardage volume could go up. Um, so, yeah, I, I am interested to see what happens with the Saints wide receivers. And I think Deontay Harris is probably worth a early stash. Yeah, I will. My only rebuttal there is that Traquan Smith probably will not play this week from what I've seen. He's uh, dealing with injury. He was not at practice today on Thursday. So that's a bad sign. He's trending. Okay. He's trending down this week. He still could pan out if he plays week two. He could be that guy. But so yeah, thanks for clarifying that. I had seen yeah. some of that, but I wasn't sure if that had like solidified yet. Or yet. Yeah, there, there was a lot of vague stuff leading up to where we are now, but now it seems like he's kind of a Curtis Samuel trending down for the week one. So he's not a guy you have to put on your bench to see if it happens week one, but yeah, Deontay Harris could be a guy last year, even when he wasn't a part of that offense, they still scripted him some touches, some screenplays, reverses, like he's a gadgety type guy, explosive quickness. He's their punt returner as well. So that's, that's the kind of athleticism you're seeing from him, but he's a small guy. So he's not going to get a lot of work. I don't think on the year but he could have that, uh, that upside that you might need. I like it. Who's your next? Do you have a tight end for us or uh, do you just have another positional guy? I do not, but I guess you could say if you have Hunter Henry on the waiver wire, uh, he'd be a cop watcher drop it for me. And yeah, I don't have anyone beyond that, but I do have Rondale Moore wide receiver for the Cardinals. Nice. He, he might be drafted, but I think he's only picked up in about 20 something percent of leagues. So you probably can find him out there. He's a wide receiver rookie on the Cardinals. They're playing the Titans this week. The Titans do not have a formidable defense that you should be worried about. The Cardinals will probably have to put up some points if they want to win. The Titans offense looks to be very good. Like we saw last year. And I, I he's also on my watch list. Like I want to see how they use him. So it's a cop watch and drop it for sure. I have him on our, on our main league. He's on my bench and I don't, you know, I'm not putting a lot of stock or faith in him, but if I see they are giving him touches, I think that bodes well for what he could look like in the future. Cause he's only really competing with Christian Kirk and AJ green there. And I think he could very well supersede them by week four. And look, the hype around Jalen Waddle, uh, Rondell Moore to some is a very similar athlete, a, a Tyreek Hill esque player, a player that can catch a slurt, short slant and take it to the house. So yeah, definitely someone to watch and monitor. And it's one of those situations where there's going to be one of these rookie wide receivers that comes out of nowhere. Like I wouldn't say necessarily it was Chase Claypool last year, but I think it, you could make that argument. Like he was being drafted in the final rounds of fantasy drafts. And then he kind of came out of nowhere and he was a second round draft pick from the Steelers. So someone like Rondale Moore, someone like uh, Elijah Moore, there's a little hype behind it, more hype behind him. Could be one of those guys. So I agree with that. Um, I have a tight end. I have a, uh, what I'll call a, a Nate special here um, mm. because I don't think anyone is talking about this player. And I mean, anyone. <laughs> and that is James O'Shaughnessy. Oh, for the uh, Jaguars. yeah, The Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. Now listen, this is uh, me selfish, purely going off what <laughs> I have seen. And that is why it is something you should probably not trust with your whole heart. Like typically my takes are backed up with, you know, a little bit more research and reading into other people's opinions and trying to, you know, collate that into one cohesive take. This is solely, I watched a game and I saw something and I liked it. And what I saw was Trevor Lawrence looking to his tight ends quite a bit and looking to James O'Shaughnessy quite a bit more than Chris Manhurts, the, the other tight end on the roster. And we all know that rookies love targeting tight ends. And we all know that, uh, 
you know, Urban Meyer can make tight ends work in this offense. So it's not a name that's, uh, you know, being rostered quite frequently. He is almost certainly on your, your waiver wire, but I would wager that we're mentioning James Shaughnessy next week is like, Hey, this guy got six targets. Is this someone we should be paying attention to? So James O'Shaughnessy, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Man, I like the deep take here. Uh, I don't think it will pan out, but that's fine. <laughs> but I, I do have to call you out. Do you own James O'Shaughnessy in, in a league? Potentially? I, own, I own him in. Ah, uh, that's what I thought. No, but I own him in. I own him in our dynasty league where we have twenty six bench spots or whatever. Enough said. Case closed. <laughs> Bias take. Where my you know, starting tight end is Zachary, so I'm taking on flyers in that league. Yeah, you, you know how if you read a stock advisory article, they have to disclose whether they own the stock at the end of the. That's what I needed to hear for the well, people. Listen, they, they need to know that this could be a selfish take. <laughs> all I'm saying is I'm the only one paying attention to this guy. So if I'm right, <laughs> the glory see. will be all yours. Yeah. I don't want it. <laughs> this is going to be Quez Watkins all over again. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, LaVisca Chanel is, is going to be like the close to the line of scrimmage guy there. So I, I don't think their tight end will be worth it, but in like a DFS format, maybe, I don't know, maybe man, but, uh, Anyways, getting off that terrible hype train uh, <laughs> to another probably terrible hype train. Sammy Watkins, wide receiver for the Ravens versus the Raiders to this week. They play a Monday night football. The Raiders are a pretty cake defense that you you typically want to play people against. So Sammy Watkins, uh, probably the wide receiver one there. Um, Mark Andrews might be the top pass catcher there. That's what I would bet on. But Sammy Watkins has apparently done very well in training camp and preseason. So they're really happy with signing him in the off season. Obviously played for the chiefs last year. Didn't do a whole lot. Um, it, Rashad Bateman is on IR right now. He's not playing for the first few weeks. And Sammy Watkins is a guy that could perform. And just based on necessity being on the field a lot, I think he'll probably have 80% snap share. Uh, he's not a guy I'd love because that offense does not pass the ball a lot. And it's hard to really like invest in that week to week and put him in your starting roster. But he could pop. They just might target him a lot. Maybe maybe Lamar Jackson loves him. I don't can know. I push, can I push back on this as a cop watch and drop it? Yeah, absolutely, because I'm not even entirely sold on it. <laughs> so imagine this was a year ago and Sammy Watkins was your cop watch and drop it, drop it. Do you remember what he did in the first game last year? He exploded. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, maybe this is a two-week cop watch and drop it because maybe he'll do it this week. Just make sure he does it next week as well. But yeah, no, Sammy Watkins has gotten the preseason hype and that's a very injury riddled team from all angles. It seems so. Yeah. It yeah. should be some work for Watkins. I like that one as well. Let's move into some uh, defense stashes for week two, as we round this one out, uh, you probably have your defense already for this week, but mm-hmm. if you're looking for someone for next week to stash ahead of time, this is a tactic that I like to do. I often believe that getting that points out of the defense slot is worth more than the last stash on your bench uh, has always been my take, at least in certain situations. So who are you looking ahead at uh, for week two? I know, I know I have a couple that are big ones. I figure we will just go through three total here. Yeah. Three total, I think is plenty. And we probably have the same three. I'm sure I only have two clear ones and then I have a third backup one, but the Cleveland Browns are the clear one-on-one here. Uh, They're playing the Houston Texans in week two, and they're probably not rostered because they play the Kansas city chiefs. 
uh, on Sunday. So you do not really want to start them against Patrick Mahomes. And for that reason, they're not going to be on a lot of rosters and they are a pretty good defense. Uh, PFF has them fairly highly rated. They have good pass rush, good defensive line. Their offense controls the flow of the game fairly well based on their run scheme. Uh, against the Houston Texans, that's just going to be a slaughter. They could put up 20 points as a defense. Yeah, I have the Browns stashed as well in a couple of leagues. Like I saw you made that maneuver in one league. And the reason is not only because the absurd Texans match up next week, but I think they could be a really good defense and maybe even a top five defense on the year if that secondary shores up because obviously their pass rush is very strong. Um, The other one that I have is that your other lock, I'm sure, is the Broncos. Oh, I forgot to mention them. Yeah, uh, they're a very good one. They're, they're, I think, drafted in maybe half of leagues, maybe less, but they're definitely one you should be owning because I drafted them in a couple of leagues based on their first three weeks. So They are two, playing the Jags this yeah. week, so they may be being streamed a lot, but just don't drop them is maybe a better way to say it because, like yeah. you said, they're their first three weeks. And then I'm assuming that you have the Packers for your... Absolutely. The Green Bay Packers played Detroit Lions in week two, and you could honestly be a bad defense and play the Detroit Lions, and I'll still consider starting you. And the Green Bay Packers should do enough to where they're getting you fantasy points, whether that's sacks or interceptions or fumbles. It's going to happen. It's Jared Goff, and we don't even know who the top pass catcher is for the Lions. Yeah, look, it's a it's a mediocre defense, but the matchup is too good to pass up on. So yeah, Bears or Bears, excuse me, Browns, Broncos, and Packers are three folks to stash for week two, or Broncos just hang out on your roster for a couple of weeks. All right. So next week we're gonna do week one recap. Week one recap. We have kind of actual football to talk about. This is the last episode, Dan, where we won't be talking about actual football that happened. That's so exciting, dude. So we are exactly two hours away from football right now. Yes, I, I'm going to get off this podcast. I am picking up my girlfriend. We're going to go buy some booze and <laughs> skedaddling back here to watch the game. I can't wait. Yeah, I'm so excited, man. I'm going to watch all of the pregame, and I hate watching pregame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I want to hear like interviews with like Tom Brady's uncle yeah. about how he was always this way. <laughs> I, I, you know, I want to, I want to, I'm going to eat it all up. So yeah, I'm excited. Um, but yeah, we'll have that week one recap for you. We'll have top waiver ads that and streamers heading into week two. We'll have some other stuff to talk about, probably news and all that stuff. And that'll be coming out. We're going to start recording on Mondays. So that'll be coming out hopefully Monday night at the latest Tuesday morning. So you'll have that to prepare your waiver claims and all that uh, jazz. All right, Dane, as we head out, why don't you tell the folks where they can find us on social media? We're at Fantasy Bible Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and thefantasybible.com. And just a special shout out to anyone who's been following us in this offseason. It's been, you know, some dry spells here and there, but uh, thank you for sticking with us. Thank you for listening. Submit your questions in any of those places, and we would love to include you, give you a shout out in the in the next episode. So thank you so much. We'll see you next uh, next week. Yeah, and 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 just real quick to add, line, give us your lineup questions. Oh, I would love that. That's a great. Yeah. Those are the best questions. Yeah. Like you don't even have to overthink it. Just who do you want to, who are you trying yeah. to decide between that week? And we'll weigh in on that and hopefully give you some good, some good stuff. All right, everybody enjoy the weekend of football. So excited. Yeah.